Dave Ward. It's 8.38 now. That makes it 22 before 9. Let's check in on your money and see what's going on on Wall Street this morning. It's always affected by what's happening across the pond these days. But on the phone, you got Philip Statler from Statler Financial Services to start our week out. Philip, good morning. Good to hear your voice this morning. Hey, good morning, Dave. I hope uh, you had a great weekend. I know you spent a lot of time out at the racetrack. Uh, I hope you didn't get too sunburned. I got a little bit of sun and uh, got uh, got shin splints from walking all the way around the racetrack, as I do it on foot while I'm visiting friends around the track. But it was a good race. It was a safe race. If you like Cadillac, it was Cadillac, 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 one, two, and three on the podium, which is always kind of cool. The jingoistic instincts we all have. We like seeing American cars win the darn thing, you know? That's right. Absolutely. That's uh, That's pretty neat. It absolutely was. Backing up to what we're supposed to be talking about today, Friday we had another up day on Wall Street, and we weren't too sure we were going to have it in the morning. Dow ended up up 274 points. S&P was up 51.5, and NASDAQ was up 279 points, over 2%. And then oil prices started going up over the weekend again, and everything went to heck in a handbasket. Yeah, it did. You know, we're seeing um, some some give back from Friday for sure. I'll say that it, um, it it is down, but on a percentage basis, not not drastically. I mean, I mean, I think we're down maybe a third of a percent right now um, on the Dow. And I was saying on Friday morning, I know factoid I pulled up that if the Dow continued to go up and the other indexes as well, yet last week was like, again, taken in a vacuum because we'd have been absolutely all stinko for weeks before that. Last week would have been one of the best weeks we've had in like three years on Wall Street. So you, you got you to gotta see some sunshine when it's shining. And last week was not bad at all. It, it wasn't, Dave, and, and I've got those numbers for you, and, and I think I, if I read the article right, it was – it goes back to like November of 2020 uh, was mm-hmm. the last time we saw these kind of returns, but the Dow for the week was up 5.5%. The S&P 500 was up 6.16, and the NASDAQ came in at a great 8.18% increase for the week, so it was a banner week. And and rightfully so. I mean, we were due for a big week after all the volatility we've seen so far this year. That's why I kind of prefaced it by saying, yeah, you've got to take it in a vacuum because it was a very good week, but it came from a really crummy start after three or four weeks of just absolutely hammering our major indexes. But still, you take sunshine when the sun shines, and uh, now we're starting over for another week. And we kind of started out internationally with a factoid that I'm going to find interesting. Last week, uh, Russia had a bond payment they had to make. My understanding was they paid it in rubles, although any of us are absolutely sure of that. But the Russians are due to make a Another bond payment today of $66 million, and uh, thanks to what we've done to their banking system, them boys are having some trouble getting a hold of dollars to pay their bills with. I can't imagine why. Well, yeah, we have basically cut them off from the financial system here in the United States, and and so that makes it tough on them. They can't pay in dollars because they don't have the dollars to pay with, so, um, you know, and and let's face it, the conversion rate on the ruble probably is not real good right now, given the circumstances over in Russia. <laughs> I don't think it's over a half a cent value to a ruble right now, and that's down by like 80% from what it used to be. So, uh, yeah, they've got some issues over there, and that might cause some international upset because there's a lot of uh, a lot of countries hold the sovereign debt of Russia, although I can't imagine anybody being surprised if they miss a payment. 
Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't either, given given all the restrictions that have been placed against them. Um, but it would not be good if they did miss a payment, um, because then it's it, it starts that spiral down, right? And and whether or not they can recoup from that spiral down will be, um, well, I think, will be problematic. Absolutely. I know the rating services already have Russia rated below junk quality, so you can't go down a whole lot worse than that, but it is possible, and they'll manage somehow. Other uh, news items floating around the uh, world, I don't, uh, in all the other Ukraine news, this one kind of got buried on my top of the hour news. There was a big airplane crash in China with 132 people on board. That's tragedy unto itself from the standpoint of the topic we discuss here each morning. It was a dang Boeing airplane that went down, and boy, is that being mean to Boeing stock this morning. It, it is. It has Boeing down about 5.3% right now um, from its close on Friday. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not below their 52-week low yet, uh, but it is trending that direction. It's, it's not a pretty sight for Boeing, and obviously the human tragedy is considerably more important than that, but still it fits. Uh, we've got the Federal, uh, Federal Reserve Chair Paulson due to be on the rubber chicken circuit today. And the question until we get the uh, minutes out and something specific out of it is exactly how much the Federal Reserve is talking about raising interest rates this year. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers was on the uh, Talking Head shows yesterday, and he was saying ultimately we need 4 to 5% interest rates in this country in order to uh, quell inflation. If that happens, that would be like 16 quarter-point increases. I don't think Paulson is thinking anything that aggressive. I hope not. That would be a, a huge deal. And, and you know, I mean, we did see, though, last week that one of the Fed presidents was talking about 7 increases and in getting us up to uh, what was the number i think he was up to like three percent uh yeah i wish three percent bandied about by some of the uh, interest rate hawks on the on the federal board and that's a big jump from zero to three percent and in my you know i've had some discussions this weekend with some friends and it's like look if you raise interest rates a quarter or a half at a time how long does it take before you feel the result of that and so that my my question is, if we raise a half a percent now, and then we wait a month or two, we raise another half a percent. Have we really felt the effect of that first half? I don't know that we have from an economic standpoint. And so, you know, at what point do they go too far? And the problem is they, they won't know until it's too late. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing that I've always said in terms of uh, the World Monetary Fund ratings. Our Federal Reserve has never been that really good at doing monetary policy and controlling the ups and downs of our economy. Witness the fact that you and I have been whining now for months that the Fed is running late in terms of normalizing interest rates. And they're also looking at uh, now, as you say, uh, that even if, even, if, even if you do it perfectly, the timing is impossible to be able to figure out. So you don't know that you've done it until you've gone too far. So, okay, fine. This fellow's talking about 5% interest rates. You go up that far, you throw us into a recession to end all recessions, and then it's too late. We've already done the damage. That, that's right. And so, you know, to me, I think you, you raise a couple times. And then you, you have to stop and see what the results are. Um, and, and to me, that's not just a month or two to feel that impact. It, it's going to take a couple quarters to feel that impact. And so if they're not going to do that, 
and and this is just my opinion, right? Then tear the Band-Aid off, right? Raise it 1% if that's what you're going to get to by the end of the year, and then don't do anything else for two or three quarters, and let's see what the impact is on inflation before you start doing anything else. And, you know, if we didn't have the Ukraine situation messing up other sectors of the economy, I'm looking at you, energy sector, uh, they, the, the half a percent was basically a fait accompli at the last, at the last meeting until Ukraine heated up. So the Fed, in, in defense of those birds, they are kind of between a rock and a hard place because they got upset on one side of the economy, and they know that uh, a half a percent would have been smarter, but at the same time, just how hard do you want to kick the economy where it hurts when it's already getting some pain from another sector? That's right. You're, you're, you're absolutely right, but it goes back to the fact that they should have started this uh, a year, at least a year ago, and, and we mm. wouldn't be in the boat we're in right now. And that's the part that you and I are 100% in agreement in. Should have done it faster, boys. Other news out on a Monday morning. You dug up something. Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett and company, they already own Geico. Now they're buying another insurance company, I gather. They are, and it's not a household name that any of us are going to really recognize. It's called Allegheny. Um, But it's a reinsurance company. And so reinsurance companies, they help insurance companies cover their losses. And so uh, an, an insurance company can't take 100% of the risk themselves because of uh, natural disasters or something like that. So what they do is they go out and they buy insurance on their book of business. And so that's what Allegheny does. They are a reinsurance company. They will continue to operate as an independent subsidiary to Berkshire Hathaway. And, and that's why, because they're, they're not in the retail business. Um, but uh, but they are paying a premium for them. They closed on Friday at like six dollars and I mean six dollars six hundred and seventy six dollars, and uh, and uh, Mr. Buffett's buying them at eight hundred and forty eight dollars a share. So yeah, a big a big uh, jump there. And obviously, um, you know they're they're feeling that this morning. I was trying to see Berkshire Hathaway is really unchanged this morning. I bet Allegheny's getting a pretty good bump this morning on that news. Oh, there they are. They're up 25% this morning. Wow. I see that kind of a premium, and i got to start wondering if the Oracle of Omaha has a cataract issue. (laughs) (laughs) That's a heck of a premium in a non-glamorous field whatsoever. Uh, Other things, there really isn't a lot going on today. We're kind of waiting and wait for the... uh, for the Chicago Fed's National Business Index, this is one of those minor reports that generally doesn't really cover a lot, doesn't really carry a lot of market-moving potential, but in a day where there's nothing else going on, it could. Uh, looking at the reports about the only big thing that I see coming out later on today, and it's after the close, Nike, which i got to think is going to be interesting, as sensitive as they are to Chinese interests and Chinese economy, that's something that might be a market mover tomorrow morning. Well, it very well could be. And let's face it, Dave, we are at the end of earnings seasons, right? I mean, this is March 21st. So there's nine days left, uh, nine or 10 days left in March. And then, you know, it takes about 10 days in April before we start to see some earnings coming in. So so we're about 20 days before we're really going to see much in the way of earnings. I mean, we'll have one or two hit here and there, but nothing really will, will probably be a market mover as a whole, just because there's not going to be that many of them from an industry standpoint to uh, to really affect a lot. I mean, it may affect a couple of company stocks that are closely related, um, but but I don't expect we'll see much movement. It's going to be what happens in the Ukraine 
what the economic numbers turn out to be looking like. That's what's going to be more of the market movers, I think, the rest of this month. I suspect so. The, the exception might be something like Nike that's capable of being a bellwether for international trade as well as retail. But your point's taken. I mean, international affairs are way overshadowing individual stocks at the moment. Uh, resetting the table, up day on Friday on Wall Street. We made it past a triple witching hour without anything really weird going on, which was kind of interesting. 45 minutes before we open this morning, Philip, what are we looking at so far on the futures? So right now, Dave, we are uh, in the red, but we have improved from where we were 10 minutes ago when you and I first started speaking. Right now, we've got the Dow down about a quarter of a percent. Uh, the S&P 500 is down less than a tenth of a percent. And the NASDAQ 100 is down about a third of a percent. So, uh, so we do have everything in, in the red right now. On the commodities front, uh, we have uh, silver up a half a percent, gold down a quarter of a percent, crude oil up 4.3% to $107.55 a barrel, Dave. That is El Stinko. I don't like seeing that happen. Overseas markets, the Chinese rim mostly, or the Asian rim was mostly up overnight. Hong Kong off fractionally, but the mainland Chinese markets and Japan, Japanese markets were up. Europe is kind of an interesting mixed bag. Because of the rise in oil, Great Britain being a producer with all of the, uh, with all of the Brent Sea crude, they're actually up this morning, and France is doing the same. They're up considerably. German markets, where they're stuck with a lot of uh, imports out of Russia, they're actually off this morning, halfway through their trading day. Trying to figure out what's going on with the world economy is pretty much impossible. You can't predict it. That means you can't predict your investment funds unless you've got the risk under control. How do I find you to figure out how to do that, Philip? Then give us a call at 863-382-0037. Hey, schedule a time to visit with us and walk through our core retirement design where we can help you design the retirement you always dreamed of. Again, that number is 863-382-0037. And then join us this weekend for the Statler Financial Radio Show 6 a.m. and noon on Saturday, 10 a.m. Sunday morning on Highlands News Talk, 730 and 95.3 FM. All righty. And again, tomorrow morning here on Light FM. Philip, thank you so much. We'll catch you then. All right, buddy. You have a great day. Thank you. It's 105.7 Light FM and Statler Financial Services. Philip Statler. Hey, folks, again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Remember, our core retirement design can help you truly design the retirement you always dreamed of by calculating how much risk you're comfortable taking in the market and then helping you organize your goals and objectives for retirement and then ultimately review your current portfolio to make sure that it lines up with some of those risk numbers and then developing your risk-optimized portfolio specifically for you and your risk number. Hey, with that, please give me a call and let's schedule a time to visit together. 863-382-0037. And I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Take care. Bye now.